0: to learn from it though. I'm gonna lay out some steps for you to make that leap, make that jump. Like you were stuck in one place Cause something was putting everything in your way You want bigger things and even bigger dreams But some things ain't as easy as it seems Nah, I spent a long time chasing other people's dreams I put my goals aside, I said it's for the team I went around the world and met a bunch of girls And some things I wouldn't change for the world But I'd be lying if I said I was really happy A lot of ups and downs, some kinda sappy I did a lot of shit, but it wasn't cause of me Felt like a fraud, but Olivia supported me To be real, I was scared to be out there. No confidence in the failure I couldn't bear. I couldn't measure to the talent that I was around. So I had to turn the volume down on my own voice. That was my choice. Looking like a man, still feeling like a boy. Knowing every day I would kill it if I did it. But risking my ego, I couldn't live with it. But I ain't getting any younger, though I'm only 26. Gotta stop playing, start building for some shit. And before there ain't no time left, I'ma follow these eight steps. Figure out what it is that you wanna do to write down go stick with the follow through. Watch and learn though, only study from the gradeful practice, so you got what it takes. Now five. Work harder than everybody else now. never stop believing in yourself now.
1: My name is Thomas Jackson, I am 30 years old. No, I'm not thirty years old, <laughs> I'm 29 years old. I'm almost thirty. I'm thinking about my life like I'm already thirty. <laughs> Um, and I grew up in a small town called Fontana in Southern California. Uh, what kind of town is Fontana? Is it like Oakland? Um, it's nothing like Oakland. Uh, I mean, if you're familiar with the Bay Area, it, it's more, more like Hayward. Okay. Um, in the sense that it's like, it's pretty flat, lots of, well, I mean, it's flat, but there are hills, uh, lots of dirt, not a whole lot of trees. Or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. you know mostly just kind of empty, sort of just like desolate. Small town-y. <laughs> yeah,
2: not a whole lot going on. So what did you do when you were a kid? Like um, what did you do in the middle of all that nothingness?
1: I mean, when I was when I was really really young, I actually I went outside. I played a lot uh, with some of the kids around. Uh, whatever you know, kids were. I, I went to a lot of I, I lived a lot of different places, so it was kind of hard to make and keep friends. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, I when I had friends, I, I played with them, and it took me a really long time to make friends every time I would move. And so um, I spent a lot of time just being by myself and playing with sticks and stuff <laughs> like that. I, I actually recall playing with a lot of, like, garbage and just random things around the house like they were toys or spaceships. Just making do. Things. Yeah, just yeah. making do with whatever. Not that I didn't have toys. I just found more interest in, like, playing with, like, other stuff. And it's kind of like building, using your
2: imagination, too.
1: Yeah. I used my imagination a lot more back then. Yeah. Uh, so you moved around a lot as a kid? I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean... I'm not, not out of state, mostly all, or actually all in Southern California, but, um, my parents were never married. They, you know, they split up or left each other when I was really young. And so the majority of my childhood was spent kind of moving between the two of them, sort of whenever I was kind of convenient to have. And, um, I moved a lot more when I lived with my mom. She was never really... She never seemed to stay in one place for very long. I mean, oftentimes we were um, staying with someone she might have been dating or, you know, family members that weren't tired of her. Yeah. You know, and so a lot of those welcomes were worn out pretty quickly and that meant we were kind of moving pretty often. So I feel like the the most... Whenever I was, like, stable and I had the most friends and I guess I was happiest was when I was with my dad because he was more about just, like, finding one place and staying there for a period of time. It feels like continuity there. Yeah, there's a little more continuity and it was a little easier as far as that goes. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky enough to, once I hit, I think what, like eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Once I hit eighth grade, I was in the same school, the the same district until I graduated high school. But yeah, before that, I mean, be, between first and seventh grade, I went to like 10, 10 different yeah. schools. And so, yeah, and they were, they were all around town. And, you know, most of the friends, most of the kids that I met in those schools, I, I never really kept in touch with after. So I definitely didn't have any really close friends until I got to you know high school pretty much yeah you know which was which was a little little rough especially when you're in school with a bunch of people who have known each other their entire lives and it's like you know you like can't you're really, really catch up yeah I can't really relate you know I, I can't really chime in or whatever yeah.
2: no that sounds so familiar because uh it's, so like, my home base was always Georgia, but like, we moved from Georgia to somewhere else and then back for, for the summers or something like that. And so I would come back to people that I knew, but they would have, like, a whole year, like, with each other without me. Yeah. So you're always trying to play, like, how do you make it like the old times again? Yeah. <laughs> Did it feel weird as a kid, like, moving around and all that stuff, or was it just, like, a um, thing that just happened?
1: I mean, it was it was exciting... It was exciting until I, you know, I guess when I started going through puberty and started developing, like, interests and relationships and, like, really wanting to have um, lasting friendships. It, it was exciting up until that point. And it was exciting because usually when I was going to move with my mom, there was always, like, a promise of some sort involved, you know, like... I promise we're going to do this or we're going to do that. And, you know, when you live with me, there's going to be this and you're going to get to do these things. And, you know, my mom, she kind of knew how to, like, manipulate me by means of, like, promising me things. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, when I was younger, it was kind of exciting moving to different places because I I always thought there was something in store for me. But um, that was, like, not those those promises were almost never really fulfilled. So, yeah. you know, eventually when I kind of caught on to that, it became really frustrating. And I just, I started to desire like stability more and, you know, realized that, I, and I started realizing that I didn't have it. And that's, I feel like as a younger kid, I, I feel like that's when I, when I reflect now on my past, that's when I think my like depression or my, my, troubles with depression started to develop is when Mm -hmm. I started realizing, like, okay, this isn't a normal childhood. You know, like, normal kids have friends. They have experiences and memories with their friends and stuff like that. And, you know, they have, like, a neighborhood that they can call home. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I didn't have that because I had been living so many different places. I just felt like I was leaving bits and pieces of myself everywhere. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What is it that brought you to Oakland? Were you grown when you came out here? Yeah, I was... uh, I must have been about 23, 22 or 23, and I pretty much, um, my best friend who I currently play music with, he had moved out here four years earlier to um, attend college, he went to Cal, and I kind of just didn't have anything going on in Southern California, I mean I, was, I had my own apartment, um, actually now at this point I was renting a room with somebody, but you know, I wasn't playing music with anybody. I had no, like, interest or motivation to do anything creative, really. And, I mean, if anything, I was just kind of, like, living down there was just hurting me more than anything because, you know, I was, like, doing drugs. I was partying quite a bit harder than, you know, I, I probably should have been. And I, you know, I wasn't doing anything good for myself. And so I got the opportunity to move up here and work at Trader Joe's. Um, So I moved into a friend's house, who I actually went to high school with, and uh, I lived in Pleasant Hill for like the first nine months of my time up here, and then they got engaged, moved back to Southern California, and I moved to Oakland because I didn't know anybody else in the Bay Area except for Mm -hmm. my one friend in Oakland, really, who happened to be my best friend, so it was more than enough reason to move there. And so, yeah, I, I moved to like West Oakland area, and I've been for the most part in the same area since i mean i i was in rockridge for about a year but i definitely didn't belong there i couldn't afford it and uh you know i made my way literally back to the same like block that i lived in when i first moved out here so that's crazy yeah i i i really like my area it's too bad it's changing so much or it's going to change a lot but you know yeah it is what it is uh how old were you when you met your best friend When I met my best friend, so that best friend in particular is probably like the longest lasting friendship I've had. And I met him, I was in eighth grade and he was in seventh grade, or actually I was in seventh grade and he was in sixth grade. I was still going to school in a different town, but I was living near him Mm -hmm. and we were both attending different schools, but we met each other around the block, skateboarding with, you know, some people and, um... We've just been friends ever since. We started playing music the year after that. And we've been, I think we've been playing music together for about 16 years now. And we're that's still playing wild. music. Yeah. It's <laughs> cool. I, I i never get tired of saying that because it's, that's not something that I ever thought I would be able to say when I was younger. It's like, oh, I've had this friend for 16 years. Because up until I met Mike, I didn't have any friends yeah. that, you know, that I had a, a lasting relationship with, and so, you know, it's really important. It's it's hard. It's a struggle sometimes because you know he has his problems, and you know sometimes it's really difficult for me to be his friend when he's going through it. But you know, if I, I, you know, it, I'm willing to deal with it because I've never had a friend that's lasted that long, and he's not hurting me or anything. So. Yeah i don't know it's it's a weird relationship that we have but it's definitely (laughs) still like my best friend that's really cool yeah
2: uh so was skateboarding kind of your way to meet people as a kid was that like a unifying thing
1: um yeah it was it you know it was it's it's funny i i've been thinking about a lot of this stuff lately just um especially like leading up to today yeah but um yeah, skateboarding was just kind of something I got into when I was probably like 12 or 13. I mean, I, I listened to rock. I got into skateboarding. I was into the whole rebellious kind of thing, I guess, you know, that I guess a lot of kids go through at that age. And, uh, you know, I, it was easy skateboarding because you see people out skateboarding and it's easy to kind of just ride up and join and hang out and stuff like that um and i made a lot of friends and in retrospect i when i think about you know some of those people that i used to skateboard with and i used to think you know i think about the things that i would hear them say or the way they would refer to me and it makes me like think like man maybe these people weren't really my friends <laughs> you know maybe i was yeah. maybe i shouldn't have been there maybe they didn't like my company as much as i thought they did mm-hmm. um But for the most part, yeah, it was like a good way to like just meet people around the block. I mean, I definitely like met a lot of people on my block skateboarding. And in fact, when I first met Mike, he didn't like me because I was better at skateboarding than he was. (laughs) And he actually stopped skateboarding partially due to that I found out later. That's hilarious. uh, Yeah, I eventually gave up skateboarding too because I I felt like when I started playing music with Mike, it was more important that I take care of my body so that I could play music properly because I I definitely hurt myself skateboarding quite a bit. And it dawned on me that I could really hurt myself and not be able to play music. And, you know, skateboarding wasn't as important to me as that.
2: That's uh, the skateboarding thing is really interesting to me because, like, I'm from a small town in Georgia and we, like, nobody skateboarded. Yeah, you could see them in stores, and like maybe some kid had a skateboard, but we all got around on like bikes. You know, yeah. uh, nine times out of ten, like a mountain bike or ten speed or something like that. So it's just like a like a cultural difference, even though, you know, it's the same country.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, in like, let me see, in Fontana, there there's nothing to do. I yeah. mean, they. They were, the city was nice enough to put together several really big skate parks. Um, But I mean, other than, yeah, uh, other than skateboarding, there really wasn't a whole lot to do when I was younger. I mean, most of Fontana is like um, trucking and like businesses and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And where there isn't trucks and businesses, there's just dirt, highways, and most of them don't have sidewalks. And so it's like you, and you know, everything's really far in between, you know, so, and you're young, so you don't have a car, so it's either riding a bike or skateboarding. I took to skateboarding more, and, um, you know, that the way Fontana was set up, it was perfect for skateboarding, because it was just businesses, there was a lot of concrete, um, and so, yeah, it was just kind of something that was easy to do, it was, like more like, more accessible mm-hmm. to skateboard and stuff like that.
2: No one would have to, like, take you anywhere. You could just do it
1: yourself. Yeah, which was, like, the big thing, because, you know, it was, at that time, like I said, it was, like, I want to rebel against my parents, and I want to, like, avoid asking them for anything because I, I don't yeah. want them to feel like I need them, you know? And so it was just, like, I'll go out and skateboard all day if I can. Although it was it was hard to skateboard all day because I, I also, like, lived under very strict rule, at least when I was with my father. Mm-hmm. Like, very, very strict. And so... You know, it's funny because there's a lot that I feel like I missed out on because of how strict my dad was. Like, there were some friendships I think probably would have went further if I were able to hang out more or if my availability was more flexible. But I did have to, you know, abide by my dad's rule while I lived under his roof. And so that kind of, uh, it it kept me out of trouble. Yeah. You know, (laughs) like, when it all comes down to it, it kept me out of trouble. But I definitely probably would have had a different relationship with a lot of people in town if I, you know, was more available to their friendships.
2: How old were you when you realized that like it kept you out of trouble versus just being something that sucked?
1: Um, not that old. I mean, I was probably towards the end of my high school years. You know, I I played music. Mike and I started playing music when we were in middle school together. And, you know, we eventually went from playing small coffee shops and small parties locally to playing, you know, venues and, um, you know, like bigger backyard parties in like Los Angeles and, and, you know, Covina, West Covina and stuff like that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my dad was... Nice enough he was really supportive when it came to the music stuff, not not as much the skateboarding, but the music stuff. He was actually pretty supportive, and I feel like he was kind of supportive because it kept me off the streets mm-hmm. and so you know he was also nice enough to haul of our haul all of our equipment to these places that we were playing, and you know I obviously wasn't going to drink or do drugs in front of my dad <laughs> and you know, I, it was something I never actually thought about doing when I was in high school. Like, I, I never really had the urge to drink or smoke when I was in high school or when I was in school. And I, I you know, I, I have playing music and my dad's support to thank for that because I feel like if my dad wasn't as supportive, he wouldn't have been there. And I, you know, might have been more interested in like partying, you know, when I was younger. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't start partying until after high school.
2: Yeah, I don't think I even drank until I moved to San Francisco. and That was, like, 07.
1: Yeah, I think the first time I remember being drunk... I mean, the first time I really remember being drunk was when I was 17, and it was after I had graduated high school, too. hmm Yeah. Uh, so how did you get in... Do you just play the drums? Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the instrument that... When people ask what I play, I, I say I play drums. But, I mean, I, I definitely, like, dabble. I mean... I have interest in. I I would be interested in playing pretty much any instrument I can get my okay. hands on, which is why like, I have a bunch of instruments. I'm actually trying to get used, get rid of some of them because I'm starting to realize that uh, I'm trying to split my attention. I'm trying to split my interests too many ways, so it's making it really difficult to master one particular it's like instrument.
2: Jack of all trades, yeah. master or none thing.
1: So I'm starting to kind of like shed instruments now, and I just want to sort of. Keep the core, you know, bass guitar drums and maybe some electronic stuff. It, why are
2: you drawn to those more than the others?
1: Um, I mean, the bass guitar and drums, like, drums I'm drawn to because my my dad played drums. I mean, he didn't play music. He just had rhythm mm-hmm. and just happened to know how to play the drums. And so I got into that because of him. Um, as as... As far as bass goes, I like playing bass because Mike has expressed an interest in playing bass. And I really enjoy his style of writing, and it's made me want to play bass Mm -hmm. and develop my own style. And so um, I really enjoy playing bass pretty much because of Mike. And then guitar is just kind of... Honestly, guitar is like probably one of my least favorite instruments. Um, Although... I do enjoy playing it just because I feel like you know having bass guitar and drums like is just the complete set you know like having Mm -hmm. everything complete like that and then as far as like the electronic stuff that's stuff that I'm drawn to because um, I know those other three instruments aren't always able to be played like indoors you know wherever I'm going to be living Mm -hmm. electronic stuff I could plug in put some headphones on and you know do it that way and so it's not it's not a problem to anybody else.
2: Yeah, I signed a lease recently, and there was a part that said that like I have to report if I have any instruments.
1: Wow. Yeah, really? which is crazy. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that that's that's weird. Yeah. Um, But I, you you so it's a it's an apartment. Yeah, it's okay. an apartment. Yeah, I would never really think you know think of bringing like anything loud. I mean, guitar and bass. That's also, a great thing about those two things are they're things that you plug and play, and so you mm-hmm. could play those things completely silent with headphones if you need to, whereas drums it's like you know I'm not even bringing most of my drums to Washington with me because uh um yeah, you know, I have nowhere to put them mm-hmm. and I have nowhere to play them so you know it's kind of gonna have to be something I do I put on the back burner for a while, unfortunately, but that's an also yeah. That's one of the biggest reasons I like playing different instruments is because there's always that one instrument that you're not going to be able to play wherever you go, mm-hmm. and you know, so it's just nice to have another instrument that you could turn to, you know, when you need like that creative outlet. And so you and you started your band in the in middle school. Um, Mike and I started playing music together in middle school. We had like a just some trendy experimental mm-hmm. hardcore rock band and uh, we did that from I'd say from eighth grade until just after just after high school maybe about a year after high school so it was a good like four or five years and um, unfortunately it ended badly yeah uh, not between Mike and I but between our other bandmate who since then we've like reconnected and we're cool with each other but yeah that That ended kind of badly. I think Mike already kind of had one foot out the door because he was already living up here and going Mm -hmm. to school. And I think I was kind of the only person like holding on to it. And, you know, it was like the first thing that I had, like the first project that I had with the first best friend that I had, you know. And it was just like this thing that I poured all of my energy into, I mean, so many hours that could have been spent studying and doing more <laughs> productive things and I was just like pouring it all into this band and so it was really hard, you know like that first band breakup was like a really like tough on me, in fact I think after that I actually like started after, after that, that was like the severing the connection that I had to my best friend mm-hmm. when that band broke up and you know, I didn't have a whole lot of close friends at the time. And the few friends that I did have were, like, going through their experimenting phase with drugs and stuff like that. And so, you know, I turned to that, and I started doing that. And I, you know, I just kind of dabbled around for a few years. And, and then eventually I was just like, okay, I'm not doing anything down here other than just a bunch of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I should move. Or go somewhere, you know, close to somebody that inspires me to do something. Which was, you know, Mike was up here, so I came up here.
2: Mm-hmm. And what were you two listening to as kids, like, when you were first starting to make music together? Like, what was influencing you?
1: Oh, man. The, the stuff that was influencing me, man, it's embarrassing. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, whatever. I listened to, like, a lot of Anti-Flag and AFI, which... Most people nowadays would be like, that's super cheesy music and blah, blah, blah. But um, I just, I I listen to a lot of just popular, popular punk. Mm-hmm. So not super mainstream, but more cl- closer to mainstream than, you know, most punk. And um he was listening to the same thing. We also both kind of liked a bit of electronic music. To be honest, I couldn't even tell you who they are just because... um you know, it was electronic music, it was DJs, so it was just, like, mixes of stuff, and, mm-hmm. yeah, I never knew exactly what was playing at the time, but, um, you know, I listened to, like, a lot of electronic music, we listened to some punk, um, listened to some hip-hop, we were both, like, really into, like, Black Star and Talib Oh. Um, yeah, Tupac Dre, just that stuff, <laughs> um, I mean, that wasn't really influencing the music we were playing, but that was, like, the stuff that we were listening to that, you know, that was, like, our, what we were into. And with
2: the rap stuff, did you notice, like, did it matter that they were, what, like, L.A. rappers? Was Um, that kind of pride ever a factor?
1: mm, No, not really. Um, I mean, I, I listened to a lot of the stuff that, I would hear on the radio when I was growing up. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time. When I w- whenever I was living with my mom, I spent a lot of time in the car. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we lived in the Inland Empire, which is just about 30 to 45 minutes um, east of Los Angeles. And my mom always seemed to have business or errands or things to do in L.A. So, I mean, there were times when we'd drive back We'd drive to L.A., back home, and back to L.A., and back home, like, you know, two times in a day. Hmm. And, I mean, being seven, eight, nine years old, in a car all day, you know, you just... You hear this music on the radio, and so I've definitely, like... I have a real soft spot for, like, mid-ni- early 90s, mid-90s hip-hop, because that's all I heard all day, every single day, whenever I was with my mom, Is you know, just whatever was on the radio. And so I still have that soft spot. Like, I, I will never have the connection to current hip-hop that I do with that sort of stuff. But it was usually usually more, like, Los Angeles-based um,
2: rappers that mm-hmm. I listened to. Yeah, that's another thing from back home, is I think that if you're not from New York, uh, you notice where people are from when they rap. Because, mm-hmm. like, there are only so many rappers that are from, like, Georgia or Fremont or uh, Ohio or something like that. yeah. So like there's this weird undercurrent of like semi-local pride to where if you don't live in their city but you're at least in like the same time zone it's mm-hmm. cool and it's something that like I've never seen with um, like R&B or punk or even rock music like that kind of really specific location thing like location identification I suppose
1: um, I know I know that there is but I'm not really familiar with it it's never been like a detail that I've noticed yeah I know I mean the like the kind of rock that I'm into now or the kind of rock that my band takes after, like the people that follow that sort of stuff very closely and have listened to that sort of rock, um, you know, their entire lives could definitely pick up like, oh, this is like punk from Seattle or from, you know, mm-hmm. the the Northwest or from the East Coast or, you know... I mean, I definitely know, like, the 70s, I believe, had a very, like, East Coast 70s punk, like New York punk, um, is very different from any other punk that I've ever heard. And it's the kind of punk that I think my band takes after a little bit more. It's a little more no-wavy, like, just noisy and kind of discordant and... That that kind of stuff I can I pick up on those differences, um, just because I've been playing this music with this person who's explained these things to me, but I couldn't mm-hmm. really I couldn't really break down a whole lot of punk culture and the music and, and everything. I mean, it's music that I love to play, but I don't listen to nearly as much of it as one would think I do, you know, seeing yeah. as I am in a punk band, you know. I <laughs> I definitely listen to way more hip hop and like electronic stuff than I do punk music and what is it what is it about music that inspires you and
2: working with mike and all that stuff
1: um i mean as far as what i listen to i listen to a lot of really moody stuff and i feel like it's 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 nice because i like to listen to music that would work as a soundtrack for the weird stuff i think of like my imagination you know i mean mm-hmm. i i feel like i I spend a lot of time daydreaming scenarios, just, just really random stuff. And when I, when I find like electronic music that I feel could fit that, I, you know, I'm really drawn to it and I get stuck listening to it over and over again. You know, sometimes it puts me in these, um, really weird cold moods Mm -hmm. and they're mistaken for me being sad, but it's not that it's like, it's actually like very relaxing for me to listen to stuff like that. Um, and like uh, I like playing music with Mike I always have I mean he's such a interesting individual the way he writes music and we've developed this ability to communicate with each other through you, through beatboxing I mean mm-hmm. we've been playing music with each other for so long that you know we we have like our own language and it's easy for us to communicate ideas to each other and you know to catch on and I like the way he, I like the fact that he, he was originally interested in playing drums and I actually convinced him to not play drums because I had a drum set and then Mm -hmm. he wanted to play the guitar and I convinced him to play bass instead of the guitar because I knew somebody that played guitar. So we, you know, we became the rhythm section of our band and we're still the rhythm section of our band because Mike doesn't write music that, he doesn't write guitar riffs that sound like anything really like he his focus goes into bass and drums and then the guitar is just kind of like a layer you know mm-hmm. that the music could do with or without and i i just like that he puts so much he fo- i he he writes music like a drummer i i like okay. the way he writes music because it's it's definitely all rhythm and like it's so much fun to play I mean, when I moved up here, he had been listening to a bunch of weird, different stuff. I mean, he I think he was was, uh, taking West African drum ensemble classes and trying to work the stuff that he was learning from that into this punk music that we were playing. And so when I moved up here, he was like, you're going to have to sort of forget all the stuff that we used to play back in the day and relearn how to use how to play drums but in this different light which I did I mean I I could barely play anything that I used to play when I was younger now because I I did just that you know I I kind of forgot all that stuff I threw that out and I relearned how to play drums you know from with a different perspective and uh, it it just all it did was make playing drums more fun Mm -hmm. and it you know it's yeah I, I love it so much it's it's gonna be really unfortunate not being close enough to play music with him anymore because um, you know, it, it was definitely a void, like a a real big hole in my heart when he moved from Southern California up here. And it was something that a lot of people noticed and it, you know, just got to this point where it was like you need to like go somewhere else and do something with yourself because <laughs> you're not playing music and you're not doing anything creative, and it's like very obvious that you're unhappy. Jeez. The drumming thing,
2: like, I've got, um, so we had three guests in from Brazil in my capoeira class mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, or the beginning of November, and part of the workshops they were doing were, uh, drumming lessons, because there oh. are these, like, folkloric dances and, like, routines that we do, and there's one called Maculele, which is super cool, I'll have to play it for you after this, but, like, just the coordination to, like, keep the rhythm and then also, like, to make it sound good, yeah. you know, like, if you hit a drum wrong, it sounds like crap. yeah. Uh so even just like where to hit and how to hit to get different sounds, I was just like, this is so much more work than it looks like from the outside
1: yeah it's it's really cool um i i went to i went to one of the classes with him, and it was cool because they had it was it was one one teacher i can't remember his name mm-hmm. c k that was his name c k This one teacher, and he was teaching the dancing, and he was teaching the drumming. And it was cool (laughs) because there's, like, four drummers, and each one of them has one thing to play, one different thing to play. And they play it all together, and they play the same thing through the entire song. And um, I just thought that was the coolest thing, because, like, what they were doing is they were each playing one thing and building entire, like weird polyrhythmic beats mm-hmm. and that's you know that's what Mike tried to translate into our mu like use our music to do and so uh you know that's what he that's why like what he does on the guitar isn't like in terms of melody it's not exactly like really doing much but it's mm-hmm. very what he plays is very rhythmic. He plays guitar like you would play the drums. It's like a translation of the yeah. same thing, you know. And then adding the bass, you know, the bass is what kind of carries everything, but it's also really rhythmic. So, in a sense, the way he writes music, it's almost like three of us playing drums, you know, we're just playing drums on a different, uh, you know, on different instruments. It's, I, I think James Brown was definitely known for doing that. I, I know, I don't know if it was something that I saw in his film or if it's something that Mike told me he, like, read about him, but, you know, James Brown would... You know, tell the drummer to play something, the drummer will play that, and then ask the horn player, like, "What instrument do you play?" And he's like, "Oh I, I play the horn." And he's like, yeah. "No, you don't you play the drums." <laughs> you know, everybody hears a drummer, yeah, and you know like that's just that's just something that, that's just the way Mike writes music, and I love it. What's the name of your band? Uh, my current band is called Boss.
2: How do you spell it, and where can we find it online?:
1: It's spelled b a u s. And online, it you can find it at bossstopbandcamp There we go. And how many tours did y'all go on this year? Um, we only went on one this year. We've done one every year for the last three or four years, and two of them, the two of them have been Pacific Northwest, and then into the Midwest and down. And then this last one was our first time going to the East Coast, and we did a little bit of the Midwest. We uh, we did um, we hit Wisconsin, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah. I think that's as far inward as we made it, and then we came back eastward and went all the way as far as uh, Rhode Island. Went down as far as Richmond. And then back to Chicago and hit a couple towns on our, on our way back to Chicago. And that's all driving? That was all driving. We flew into Chicago and um, we drove the rest of the way. It was a nightmare. Yeah. It was a nightmare. <laughs> it was rough. The driving stuff, That that's a real... If you can go on tour with people and be in the car with them for weeks at a time and like, come out... Still like loving each other, like that's a real test of friendship it's
2: like a keeper
1: it's a real test of friendship, i mean especially when you're when you're dealing with other dramas on the road i mean unfortunately like we've dealt with like alcoholism on the road, mm. and actually that's kind of all we've dealt with we've dealt with like car trouble that was you know pretty trying like that was pretty frustrating between all of us and you know we've had we've had a homie that was on the road with us ditch us and you know take a train back from seattle down to portland to stay with a guy that she just met at one of our shows and um you know you you run into a bunch of like problems and stuff like that but at the end of the tour you know if you guys are still able to look at each other it's a good sign you know it's a sign of a strong friendship yeah i mean i don't know i feel like if these weren't people that i grew with over the last you know, 16 years or six years with my basis. you know, if these were just, like, random people that I started a band with and we just happened to get on the road earlier, I don't know if I'd stick around to deal with them after dealing with some of the stuff that I've had to deal with these last couple tours, you know?
2: And so it, like, it's both proof of their friendship and it strengthens it at the same time.
1: It really does. And, you know, it, it's a learning experience. You know, you learn a lot about yourself, too, and it's also nice because you get to see the country you know you get to meet people that are interested in the same thing in different places mm-hmm. in the in the you know the country is really interesting cuz i if you look at a map of the blue counties um during the election if you look at a map of the blue counties on the east coast and the and the midwest it kind of looks like our touring trail <laughs> <laughs> And it made a lot of sense. I was like, "Oh, these are all the places we went on tour, and it makes a lot of sense." You know, yeah. that all of these towns have like big punk communities and stuff like that.
2: Do you prefer playing for an audience or like playing to record?
1: Um, I definitely prefer playing for an audience. I always thought that, you know, I I'm always excited to record until I'm actually there. Yeah, and then it's just like, ugh, it's it's the worst. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fun. And I'm really happy to do it. And I, I say it's the worst, but I'd be the first one to be like, okay, I'm ready to go to the studio again, you know? But, yeah, I definitely enjoy performing in front of an audience. It's it's one of those few times when people are looking at me because they want to, you know? Yeah. Like, and, I, and it's just nice getting that attention. It's usually really positive attention, usually. Are
2: you, like, a showman? Like, do you show off while you're playing or is it just like
1: the music that makes it look good by itself um uh, both yeah i I definitely show off i'll be the first to admit that i've actually messed up (laughs) sets because i'm showing off too much but uh yeah I, i definitely show off but i also just i love like performing this music live i like sharing it it's like this cool thing it's like this This cake that I've been making and I, like, got all these layers, you know, I've added all this flavor and all this sugar and all this love to it and I just want everyone to have a taste. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that's pretty much the show. The whole deal? That's the whole deal.
2: When you first started playing music with Mike, you said you moved up from, like, small-time stuff to backyard parties and things like that. How did you get to hook up with those?
1: Um, I mean... I feel like our first show was actually a backyard party. It went horribly. It was Mm -hmm. so bad. To the point where the next show that we got, we showed up to the show, and the girl who was throwing the party said that she took us off the bill because she heard that we sucked. Dang. (laughs) It was harsh. So we went back to the drawing board, and we I think that's when our music started getting really aggressive and a lot more punk Mm -hmm. because we were so angry and so frustrated. And we were just, we just wanted whatever we wanted everything that we wrote to just like be a big F you to those kids. Never played that music in front of anybody. (laughs) We uh, actually just never, we didn't play a show for a really long time. And then we sort of kind of hopped onto this, this bandwagon of like, creative, cre- creative, experimental, hardcore music. You know, we, you know, there were only three of us, but we had so many instruments. I mean, we had drums, bass, guitar, but then we had keyboards, multiple keyboards, different percussions, xylophone, drum machines. And we were, you know, we thought, maybe if we just add all this stuff, you know, we'll be different, people will like us, and it worked. Yeah. You know, we were this, like, popular band in high school, and, you know, we recorded a few little CDs. We never went on tour uh, that wasn't something that was even on the list, you know, when we were still in school. Um, but yeah, we we played dozens of shows over over the next few years, and we de- definitely developed a following. You know, we got to play with a few sort of bigger bands, and you know, the venues went from being coffee shops and backyard parties to being like actual venues and you know, pretty cool places. And you know, it never, it never got too huge. But uh, I definitely liked the direction that the band was going in just before we broke up. So it's kind of unfortunate that we never got to record some some of that stuff. But um, I I guess it was just all word of mouth for the most part. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just like the homie hookup, like, you want to play my party? And, you know, eventually it just turned into, like, we were being asked to play shows and stuff. I think that's, I feel like that's how it usually starts. I mean, I think Boss, you know, after um, Mike moved to L.A., and it became hard for us to say yes to every show. I think in the last, like, probably six months, we've probably turned down at least 100 shows. Mm-hmm. You know, and, there, you know, people just come into town and they, rec- you know, people look for shows to play and people recommend us. And it's really flattering and it's really unfortunate we had to say no to so many shows. But, I mean, I think we had a pretty, pretty damn good run. How do you describe the music you're doing now? Um... Gosh, that's like, that is always going to be the toughest question. Yeah. Um, basically just, <laughs> it's just rock. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it's hard to, it's really hard to like just break it down in just a few words. But I mean, it's just, it's just punk rock with like a little bit of a funk twist. You yeah, know, I mean, we're, we're all like Mike and I, we grew up listening to rock But we definitely are in touch with, you know, I'm in touch with funk music because of what my dad played for me growing up. Mm -hmm. And Mike's in touch with that stuff because he's just always kind of had like a very broad interest in different styles of music. I mean, when when I met Mike, he listened to a little bit of everything. In fact, like the first electronic stuff that I think I was into was because of Mike, because he was into that sort of stuff. But... He was also the person that introduced me to a lot of hip-hop that I liked at the time. And, you know, so he definitely... And he's all, also always, like, a really good dancer, and he always had a rhythm. Mike was always, like, the guy that was, like, the good dancer at school. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, so he he's always wanted to, like, sort of have, like, some sort of, like, funk or, like, groovy twist to our music. I mean, even when we were playing in high school, like, we definitely dabbled in, like, latin jazz beats and stuff like that and that Mm -hmm. was like definitely present in some of our music and so yeah that's kind of how that went
2: cool and one last question uh what's something that makes you feel comfortable comfortable something that makes me feel comfortable it can be a concept or a concrete thing
1: um man this is a hard (laughs) question too Okay, I got to think about that. Something that makes me comfortable. Something that makes me comfortable is, I mean, I could say the obvious things like Trisha, my girlfriend, makes me very comfortable with just about anything I do. She's extremely supportive, even when I'm like super down on myself. Yeah, Uh, she's very just. She's very like helpful and makes me comfortable with you know the decisions I make and. But in terms of, in general, um, static. Static. Static noise. Okay. Is, uh, yeah, that makes me really comfortable. I have a hard time sleeping without some sort of noise unless I'm just, like, really, really tired. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, usually it was just television or, you you know, or music playing. But I've grown to enjoy just listening to static instead. Um because it's not distracting but then it's also extremely comforting it's just like a it's kind of like an invisible blanket yeah you know and uh helps me think it's really nice it's actually I I packed a lot of stuff today and the first thing I packed were actually my speakers so I couldn't play any music and I hate listening to music off my laptop I don't like listening to music unless I can listen to it like all loud around you. or yeah. all around me, and so I just had some static playing in the background. I realized I just packed so much stuff and organized so many things. You know, I thought about what I, what my plans are for next year, and you know, I did all this stuff. And you know, if I'm if I'm left in silence, like the like, I feel like I'll, you know, I'll start thinking about negative things. But you know, with the static, this it's just kind of like this buffer, this like in between sound that is really comforting and like helps kind of stimulate like a, a clear thought process.